greetings, friends, and welcome back to Catechesis. In this 19th lesson, we are turning our attention to Baptist Catechism 23, which asks, Did God leave all mankind to perish in the estate of sin and misery? And it is here with question 23 that we turn the corner from bad news to good. But I would urge you to not quickly forget the bad news that was presented to us in question 16 through 22. I do understand that the sin and misery of mankind is not the most enjoyable thing to think about, but we must allow those truths to sink in. Those truths regarding our sin and misery prepare us to understand, to receive, and deeply appreciate the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to give thanks to God for his abundant mercy and grace. Again, question 23 asks, did God leave all mankind to perish in the estate of sin and misery? And the answer is this, God, having out of his mere good pleasure from all eternity elected some to everlasting life, did enter into a covenant of grace to deliver them out of the estate of sin and misery and bring them into an estate of salvation by a Redeemer. And so let's break this down together. I think it is important to note that the first word in the answer to this question is God. This is significant, for we will soon learn that whatever good we receive in this world, we receive because God has determined to bestow it upon us. This salvation that will soon be described to us is ours only because God has taken the initiative. Stated differently, it is significant that the first word in this section, which describes to us the solution of the sin and misery of mankind, is not man. And here is one of the most fundamental differences between true and false religion. False religion imagines that man is, in one way or another, the cause or determiner of their own salvation. But our catechism is right to begin with the word God, for the scriptures teach that it was God who took the initiative to save sinners, hopeless and helpless as they were. And I will also add that this is a reference to God the Father. Providing salvation for fallen and sinful humanity was the Father's plan. It was God the Father who took the initiative to provide a Redeemer. This is what Ephesians 1.3 teaches, saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So Paul there blesses God the Father for all that we have in Christ. And this is what that most famous verse, John 3.16, teaches when it so beautifully declares, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And Ephesians 2.4-5 also says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And so our salvation in Christ Jesus is the result of God the Father's initiative. Our catechism continues saying, God having out of his mere good pleasure. And this little phrase, having out of his mere good pleasure, identifies the cause of God's plan of redemption. We might ask, well, what moved God to show such kindness and grace to us in Christ Jesus? And the answer that our catechism gives is good because it is biblical. God provided a Redeemer because it pleased him. 
Paul in Ephesians 1 emphasizes this truth multiple times, saying, for example, that God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. That is Ephesians 1.5. The words according to here in this text are significant for they identify what moved God to do what he did. What moved God to do what he did? Well, certainly not anything external to himself. He decreed what he decreed because it was what he wanted to do. It was the purpose of his will, to use Paul's language. It pleased him, to use the language of our catechism. Ephesians 2.8 also teaches this when it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Uh, This is a gift that God determined to bestow. So when did God do what is here being taught in our catechism, namely that he elected some to everlasting life? When when did he do this? Uh, The answer is given, saying, from all eternity. Uh, This means before God created, he did elect some to everlasting life. Now, God is not subject to the passing of time in the way that we are, for he is eternal. But from our perspective, this decree of God happened prior to creation and not after. And this too is clearly taught in the scriptures. For example, Paul says in Ephesians 1.4 that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. Here is a reference to the event of creation. God chose us in Christ, which is another way to say that he elected some to everlasting life, before the foundation of the world. And what did God do from all eternity and out of his mere good pleasure? Again, our catechism correctly states that God elected some to everlasting life. I do understand that this doctrine of election can be troubling to some, but it is the clear teaching of Scripture. Uh, Read for yourself John 17. Read Romans 8 and 9. Read Ephesians 1 and 2. And many other texts could be mentioned, but these three very directly and clearly teach the doctrine of election. Listen carefully to Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. There, Paul blesses God the Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he exclaims, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. In my experience, one of the main reasons Christians struggle to accept the doctrine of election is that they have not really settled with the bad news of our sin and misery that is summarized in questions 16 through 22 of our Catechism. If we really understood that this is our condition by nature, then when we hear of God's electing grace, our first impulse will be to do what Paul did when writing on the subject, and that is to give all glory to God, saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. If we understand the severity of our sin and misery, if we understand truly the hopeless and helpless condition that we are in apart from Christ and apart from God's initiative, then we will not complain against the doctrine of election, saying, well, it is not fair, but rather we will marvel at the fact that God, 
who is so glorious and holy and pure that God, who is just, would provide a way of salvation for sinners such as you and me. After this, our confession states that God entered into a covenant of grace. Uh, Election happened in eternity past. This is something we've already established. But the covenant of grace was transacted in time. In eternity past, God elected some to everlasting life. These he gave to the Son before creation, as John 17 teaches. But God entered into a covenant of grace with man after man's fall into sin. The covenant of grace was promised to man shortly after the fall, when God spoke those words to the serpent in Adam's presence, saying, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Here we have the first mention of the gospel. Uh, There is good news here that a Savior would arise from the seed of the woman, a a redeemer, a, a champion, a conqueror would come from her in due time. And this Savior would crush the head or bruise the head of the serpent. But the covenant of grace was not instituted until Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So it was present in the world, this covenant of grace was, for a very long time in the form of promise, but it was not instituted or formally ratified until Christ died and rose from the grave. Please uh, read chapter 7 of our Confession of Faith, and especially paragraph 3. It is very helpful on this subject, and I would encourage you to read it carefully, but I will not do so now for the sake of time. And what was the purpose of this covenant of grace? Well, among other things, through it, the elect are delivered out of the estate of sin and misery and brought into an estate of salvation. I will remind you again of chapter 9 of our confession, which speaks of the various states of man's being, from innocency to sin, grace, and glory. Here our catechism rightly teaches that it is the elect who are in time and by faith transferred from the state of sin into the state of salvation or grace. And all of this is accomplished in the context of the covenant of grace. God always relates to man by way of covenant. And lastly, our catechism teaches that all of this was accomplished by a Redeemer. We are going to learn all about this Redeemer in the next few questions and answers. But for now, it will suffice to say that the Redeemer is Jesus the Christ. And Galatians 4, 4 through 5 would be a good text to conclude with in this lesson. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Praise be to God for his marvelous grace. Until next time, brothers and sisters, abide in Christ.